Well, thanks for joining and welcome to Activate Your Health. I'm Josh. And I'm Kayla. And we're back again to discuss all things health here in Allen County. We're going to be diving into COVID-19 questions today. We're going to be talking about the vaccine, testing, mask wearing, and we have some local professionals here to help us answer some questions that I think we all have and looking to learn uh, a little bit more about how to protect ourselves, whether or not we want to get a vaccine, and where to go to get that good information. What are you thinking about the vaccine? Kayla, are you and your family going to get it? Most of my family has already received it as far as outside of my immediate family that have had access to it. So I would say yes, when we are able to actually move forward with that, we haven't had the opportunity yet as my immediate family. But outside of that, my extended family, many of them have received the vaccination. Same as mine. My parents have both had it, uh, at least their first shot. My one sister is a nurse here at Mercy Health. She's had her her second uh, vaccine and seen no adverse effects and is actually very thrilled to have it. She, uh, however, is still very safe. So she still wears a mask everywhere she goes. When she comes over to visit, we're staying outside. We're staying socially distanced because we're not sure, even though she's had the vaccine, if she's a carrier. So it's been... uh, It's been a year, right? It's been something, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we were all hoping for 2021 to be much better. And so far, uh, we're we're (laughs) kind of sticking with our... I don't think that anyone thought last year at this time, you know, March of 2020, that we would be at this point in March of 2021. I don't think that we had this on our radar, but we are super thankful to have the health department that we do and the health professionals here in the community that we do that have been striving tirelessly for the last year. I can't imagine the the lack of sleep and the stress and the anxiety that they have all felt along with us as we continue to move forward in this pandemic. And we have to be so, so thankful for those folks in our community. You think about our food banks and You think about all those extra hands that we've had on deck to create the environment that we have for our community to continue to strive and thrive the best that we can to to continue to move through this. Yeah, seriously, kudos to all those healthcare workers out there. And like you mentioned, the National Guard that's come in to help distribute food, the many volunteers that have showed up to help get information out. We have a lot of all-stars here in our community that have gone above and beyond their call of duty to make sure that people are safe. And quite frankly, there's a lot of folks out there that help keep our economy going. Gas station attendants, grocery store workers, they're out there risking themselves and their family's health every day to make sure that we can live as comfortable life as possible during these uncertain times. So kudos to everybody out there that is going out into the community and making um, our community a little bit better. So today we'll be answering some of those COVID-19 questions that many of us have been asking ourselves or researching, or we see a lot of public conversation around COVID-19 as far as the masks and social distancing and vaccinations, et cetera. So today we will be having two guests, Dr. Matt Owens from Mercy Health, and also Keisha Drake, who is the executive director over at the Bradfield Community Center. We are really excited to have them this month to talk to us about some of those questions, dispel some myths, and really give us some information about what's currently happening in the community around COVID-19 and where to get those resources that we all need. We all need to know where to get the most up-to-date and most scientific evidence-based materials that we can. So that's what we're going to do today, and we're excited to have those guests on. Yeah, so without further ado, let's welcome our first guest, Dr. Matt Owens, the Chief Clinical Officer for Mercy Health. Thanks, Dr. Owens, for joining us. I appreciate you asking for my help and advice, and I'm happy to be here. 
is COVID-19 real? Is it a hoax? Is it a conspiracy that has infiltrated our local hospitals, our local health department, our healthcare system nationally? I've even heard rumors that Mercy Health is padding their COVID numbers in order to increase their funding. I think something that people really believe in our community. Can you help us dispel some of that misinformation? Sure, Josh. You know, what I would start with is the SARS-CoV-2 virus and COVID-19 as a disease process is a very real thing that's affecting our world right now. We began to see the full brunt of that effect in late summer and early fall, and frankly, around Mercy Health St. Rita's, and I know our other partnering hospitals across this region, we really felt the full brunt of that over the last few months. I know that there's a lot of misinformation floating around as far as hospitals and numbers reporting and all those kind of things. What I can tell the community is that the numbers that have been reported here locally are truly positive cases proven by testing of COVID-19 that are affecting members of your community. There has never been a point throughout this pandemic locally where Mercy Health St. Rita's or frankly any of the other entities that we've partnered with have tried to guess or fail to confirm that someone has that disease process before it was reported. That's great to hear. I think a lot of people question that and to hear firsthand uh, reporting will make a big difference. So when it comes to the misinformation that we are hearing throughout the community, what do you think is the biggest piece that you are hearing from the hospital side around? Is it, you know, mask wearing? Is it that we don't need to social distance? Is it around vaccines? Like what kind of information that's you think is not being construed properly, you, you think is the most um, most happening in our in our community as far as that goes? If we think long lasting throughout this entire pandemic, conflicting information on the public health measures, namely masking, social distancing, hand hygiene, avoiding large indoor gatherings. I think that's the thing that's been the most disheartening along the way. We know that those public health measures make a difference. There's more and more evidence at this point proven through this pandemic that it continues to make a difference. And we've seen as the public has been more and more engaged in that, that we see less transmission. And so I think that's been the most overwhelming myth that we need to debunk is that those measures don't help. And, you know, there are even some thoughts that that those measures hurt. And uh, it just doesn't make sense with the science that we follow. With all that being said, you know, certainly recently there is some misinformation about the vaccine, whether it's efficacy, whether it's the need to be vaccinated, various other things. So I know we're working really hard now through opportunities such as this and other things to try to tell the story on the vaccines and help the public to be the most informed that they can so that they can make that really important decision of whether or not they're going to choose to be vaccinated. Our focus at Mercy Health St. Rita's has always been throughout this past year to take the best care that we can of our communities. Along the way, as you see some of that misinformation floating around, we realize it's put the public in a difficult position as far as their ability to sift through varying reports and opinions. And, you know, that's been a really unfortunate, I want to say highlight, but it's really not a highlight, low light of this pandemic. Our focus continues to be on trying to help educate the public and certainly take care of them. We're here with Dr. Matt Owens, Chief Clinical Officer for Mercy Health here in Lima. Where do you recommend that people go to get the right information? The best thing I can tell you is where I go to get the right information. And so when I'm trying to seek out and and keep myself informed and updated, the CDC website or anything published by the CDC, 
as well as the Ohio Department of Health, both organizations have done an excellent job of trying to remain practical, trying to stay current with the knowledge of COVID-19, and trying to adapt their message when it's reasonable to. Obviously, we're not used to, in modern healthcare, having a lot of experiences where we kind of learn as we go. Most disease processes we understand better than what we understand COVID-19. And as we've learned things along the way this year, I found those organizations to do a nice job of adapting in the moment. Sometimes that causes these folks to get accused of changing their opinion or whatever it is. But honestly, I think it's important for the public to understand this has been a moving target. This whole year has been a moving target. While we're not used to that in healthcare in the U.S., with most disease processes, the rapid nature of the change, it's been a necessary step with COVID-19. Those are the organizations I would continue to point people towards. I think that they have a duty to try to, to report out what's known and, and the best information that they can. And it continues to be the resources I use to try to guide our decision-making process here locally. Thank you uh, so much for that that answer. I think that is really the need for us as a community is to come together around those resources that are evidence-based and that are recommended by our local physicians and health systems and health departments who are using that information to guide us in making decisions. And I think you made a great point saying this is a moving target. And I know it's been frustrating for the community to continue to kind of see changes in what information is coming out. But those changes are not because people don't know what they're talking about or do not understand what's happening, but that this disease is so new and uh, so challenging that there is new information that comes out on a rapid on a rapid pace. So I think that was a great point that you made. To follow up with some of those questions that people have, as far as those who have already had COVID-19, are they still a carrier? Can they still affect others? And is there need for a vaccine for those who have already had COVID-19? I think that is a question that people are asking, particularly since so many people have experienced positive COVID-19 tests. The first answer, how long are you contagious and and where do you go from there? We have aligned with the CDC guidance on symptom-based clearance as far as how long you're contagious. That's similar to what we do with a lot of other infectious disease processes. When you're sick, you stay home, you stay home for a number of days, and once we feel like the risk of any contagion to other individuals is relatively low, then you're cleared, you're able to get out into the community, you're able to get back to those normal steps of life. Consistent with the CDC, we're following that symptom-based clearance, and that kind of clearance is widely available and and actually is the same method of clearance that our local health department follows as well. With all that being said, I think the larger question that you bring up is what do folks do who have had COVID-19 as far as their choice to vaccinate? And here's what I would tell you is the most current thought. Folks who have had COVID-19 should have some fairly adequate immunity to fight it off from reinfection for at least 90 days. We haven't had a lot of months to study this and to be able to really understand how long that immunity lasts. But the current thought, the best recommendation that we can is that for at least 90 days thereafter, and probably a bit longer, you have some protection against catching COVID-19 again. What we also know is that the immune system is fairly primed for that period of time after you have COVID-19, that the immune system, and this is the reason that you have immunity, is able to fight it off. And so to represent 
any vaccine or other type of agent that would stimulate the body again could cause an immune response or will cause an immune response because the body already recognizes it. So there are a lot of thoughts out there that folks who have had COVID-19 should probably wait a period of around 90 days or certainly have the ability to wait a period of 90 days before they choose to receive their vaccine. And I think that's pretty sound guidance. It's certainly guidance that I align with. If someone chooses to get the vaccine before that time, it's okay. The immune response, however, could be a little bit more significant, meaning that you could have more aching chills, other types of symptoms that frankly aren't side effects of the vaccine. It's the effects that we expect from the vaccine. There is a clear pathway that you can wait 90 days before receiving your vaccine. Thereafter, we don't know how long immunity lasts in any individual person. So once someone has been clear from COVID-19 for 90 days, we would certainly recommend that they pursue vaccination. Is there any information out there whether or not there's going to be booster vaccine shots required in the future, or what is the the protection that the vaccine is providing? The length of protection that the vaccine provides is still something being researched. We frankly don't know how long that protection is going to last from the initial round of vaccination that any individual has performed. As far as boosters, it's going to be interesting to track the prevalence and the incidence of the variants that are floating around in the world and what the capacity is for those variants to escape the immunity that's been built up from vaccination and still infect someone. We're still figuring that out. This is one of those moving targets that is going to adapt over time. I know that the vaccine makers are already considering how they might create a booster, similar to what's done every year for the flu vaccine, that would give someone immunity to any kind of variants or other things that might be out there. We also know that we're waiting for research to happen to figure out how long the initial immunity from this initial vaccine lasts. Is it going to be six months? Is it going to be a year? Is it going to be a year and a half? We just don't know that yet because we haven't been able to track people for a long enough length of time to know how the immune system is going to continually fight off COVID-19 in a vaccinated person. So what I would answer to you, Josh, is honestly, um, the public, right along with us in healthcare, are going to have to accept that moving target and going to have to realize that there will be recommendations yet to come on whether or not folks need a booster for COVID-19. And if they do, what exactly that booster will involve? Will it be just to protect you against variants that have happened with the virus? Or will it truly be a booster to the traditional common strains that we've already been protected against? Speaking on the vaccine, and like you mentioned, the moving target that it is, that brings a lot of anxiety uh, to our community residents in terms of going ahead and getting that vaccine and taking those steps to get on board with that. So what would you say to residents who are on the fence with getting the vaccine, with it being such a quick turnaround to get out into the community, with it being the fact that we don't know how long the immunity lasts, et cetera, things that you mentioned, how do we kind of ease the anxiety of folks who are still on the fence around getting that vaccination? I think one of the first and most important statements I can make is To have some anxiety regarding a new treatment or something that you're making a decision on in healthcare is not unusual. And to say that those of us who are healthcare workers don't feel some anxiety about these types of processes would be false as well. I think it's normal for us to feel some anxiety when we're trying to make such an important decision, one that involves our bodies. So with all that said, I just want to make sure that the public hears we understand that anxiety. And certainly I've already mentioned some resources that folks can look to reassure themselves about the safety of vaccines. But in addition to that, I would say that's what your healthcare providers are there for. 
it's certainly reasonable to request a conversation with your primary care provider or another trusted healthcare provider to try to work your way through that anxiety and make sure that you can come to an informed decision that you're comfortable with. With all that said, I'm a full believer, and I think the science so far proves out that at least in the short term, with the studies that the FDA has reviewed, reflect that these vaccines are safe, at least as long as we've been able to study them. Just like with the immunity, we'll continue to study side effects or anything else that may emerge from this vaccine process. But in general, so far, they're found to be extremely safe. And actually, compared to other vaccines that um, we are used to and that are, are socially accepted in our society, these vaccines are even more effective. The science has been studied for quite a long time. The science of mRNA vaccines has now just been applied to this COVID-19 disease process. This is not a brand new science. The data that we have available so far suggests that this is a very safe vaccine. Certainly, people are having some immune responses that are fairly strong to this vaccine, which just in general proves that the vaccine is working and that your body is learning what this process is and how to fight it off. And at the same time, I think the public deserves to be able to have the conversations and do their homework to the point where they feel comfortable receiving it. I think that the main point is that you need to do your research and you need to have those discussions and you need to feel like you can trust our local healthcare workers and physicians to assist you in making that decision. And I think that's a definite priority and should be the priority of our residents is to get the right information, get current information, and really have the help they need to learn about what they're doing and why this vaccine is so important and then make their decision based on that. As we look to the future and look to the long-term effects, we've been talking about the long-term COVID-19 effects that we really won't know how our body will respond long-term. There's people that we are hearing about that don't regain their sense of smell and taste for a length of time. There's been segments on HBO talking about athletes who have had major symptoms. What do you feel about that, the long-term effects? Is there a blood type that corresponds with some of that? Is there some other underlying health issues that you feel plays a role in, in how those long-term effects affect people in different ways? Well, certainly when you're thinking of risk factors, the thing that we understand the best so far is that if you have a chronic disease such as diabetes, heart disease, obesity, COPD, other things, your risk of having a negative outcome from COVID-19 climbs pretty precipitously. I mean, that's something that through the millions and millions of cases that we've seen, that's something we understand very well at this point. The larger question that I believe you're asking is, how are people recovering from COVID-19? And I think to talk about this a little bit demonstrates the severity of this disease process. So we've been very focused in our country on the mortality or the death rate from COVID-19. And while it is greater than the average seasonal flu or many other infectious diseases we get, the death rate has proven to drop some as we've understood how to treat people better and better. That being said, there's a big gap or there's a big spectrum between having COVID-19 and having complete recovery with no residual long-term symptoms and death in which there are a lot of patients living with some long-term complications and symptoms. In my clinical world and the role that I play, uh, albeit a little less frequently at this point as a clinician, I've had the chance to treat some patients. I've had the honor to treat some patients who have survived this. 
it's always an honor to treat patients. And unfortunately, to watch patients try to recover from this when they have had moderate to severe disease is not an easy road. You talked about some of the longer-term loss of taste and smell, and we'll continue to understand that some. And for anybody who has struggled with a sense or a loss of sense, like hearing or sight or anything else, to lose your sense of taste and smell is quite impactful in your life, at least equally as impactful, if not more so. To lose your cardiovascular or your pulmonary capacity, to lose your ability for your heart and lungs to keep up with the activity that you're trying to perform, is wildly impactful to what your quality of life is. To have complications related to the weakness that you develop after being in the hospital for so long, to have a tracheostomy tube for a long period of time, to have to have a feeding tube for a while, to have to have other complications, because this is a virus that attacks all areas of the body, not just the lungs, is a really sad group of complications to watch as a provider and to try to help someone through. I guess the way I would summarize it, not to be too wordy, is that there are a lot of people who are struggling with long-term symptoms after going through COVID-19, and it's going to take them a while to get back to what they would consider a normal capacity in life if they are able to return to that. It's all shared in order to highlight that this is not a benign disease process. This is a disease process that's leaving some folks, even some young folks, with relatively low risk factors really for the rest of their lives. I really do appreciate the fact that you included young people in that, too, as we're really trying to see that it's not just a disease that's impacting the senior citizens here in our community. It's really impacting every age, and we want to continue to be diligent to alleviate those long-term symptoms and how we continue to, to do that. We are here with Activate Your Health, talking to Dr. Matt Owens. We really appreciate him spending some time with us today to discuss all things related to COVID-19. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the community with before we say goodbye today? Well, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I would just like to thank the community for partnering with us at Mercy Health St. Rita's and also our other partnering healthcare organizations in this community. You know, we know it's been a long year. It's been a long year for us. It's been a long year for you. We know that there are so many ways in which you've adjusted life and made sacrifices and changed the way that you do things in order to try to protect the larger community from an even more devastating consequence compared to even that what we suffered. With all that said, we know our journey's not quite over. It's nice that we're being able to relax things a little bit. Certainly, it's wonderful to align that with the renewal of spring and some warmer temperatures and things. I would just ask the community to continue to partner with us, continue to allow us and and trust us to be your guide in this and to be able to give you advice on some of the decisions that we should be making at this point. Seek us out with the questions that you have, these kinds of opportunities to talk with the community and, and be transparent are things that we really relish. We thank you collectively for allowing us to be your healthcare providers. We want to thank you, Dr. Matt Owens, for all that you're doing in our community and commend you for your work and say, keep it up. Great. Thanks, all. So once again, this is Activate Your Health. We've been hearing from Dr. Matt Owens, Chief Clinical Officer for Mercy Health. I want to thank him for his time and remind people that we are in this together. We are all in this together. It's been a while since we've heard that. We're not out of the woods yet. It's important that people follow the guidelines that have been laid out before us and do our part to keep our fellow citizens safe. You know, one thing that we didn't touch on in Dr. Owen's conversation is the mental health drain that has also been impacting us all through COVID. 
So if you are feeling low or struggling, please call the crisis line at 1-800-567-HOPE. That's 1-800-567-4673. Or you can text 741-741. That's 741-741. We are here with Activate Your Health, Activate Allen County's monthly podcast talking about all things health this month. We are focusing on COVID-19, and we just heard from Dr. Matt Owens with Mercy Health. And now we are privileged to have Keisha Drake, the Executive Director for Bradfield Community Association, here with us. We have some questions for her around COVID-19. We appreciate you joining us today, Keisha. Thanks for having me. We know that you are running a community center, and so you have a unique perspective on COVID-19 and how you have been personally and, of course, organizationally affected by COVID. So our first question, what has been your experience with Bradfield being a community center and also a community testing site? How have you gone through that and what has been your experience in that? From the beginning when the pandemic first started, of course, it was odd for all of us. And then having to actually shut down Bradfield at the beginning, but there's still that community need that needs to be met. So even before we became a COVID testing site with the partnership with Health Partners of Western Ohio, we started doing our food distributions in order to still let the community know that Bradfield was here to support them. And then once we started working with Health Partners of Western Ohio back in June, we did become the testing site. And it just made sense just because we have the circle. We're able to safely house the staff, but they're able to go out and test the community by being safe. So that part made sense. And to be honest, it was hard when you see people coming through the drive-through that you saw in your building at all times, and now they're battling COVID, you know, or they think they have COVID. And it was just one day I walked out, and one of our seniors that participated in our fitness class, I literally was just like, oh, no. And she was like, please, I'm going to cry. I've never felt like this. So just to see people actually going through it firsthand, it was hard for me. I'm not even going to lie, you know, just because with some people, they really don't think that COVID is real. But you're seeing it firsthand, and you're seeing how it's affecting people and families within the community. And I think that is so true that you don't fully appreciate the impact of COVID-19 until you have someone close to you or you yourself start to experience what that's like. And it has been a major toll for many people. I think throughout history, we have also seen that African-Americans have been kind of betrayed by the healthcare system. And I know that Bradfield is a beacon in the community for all of our residents, but especially, I think, some of those African-American residents and our minority residents. Do you think that that has been a safe and trusted place for our minority residents to come and to get those tests done? I definitely think it helps. Like you said, Bradfield's here for everyone in the Lyman community and surrounding areas. But because of the history, because of the legacy that Bradfield has within our community, I think it allows for them to feel as though they can be a little bit more trusting. We can't change the past. We can't change the history. We can't change what we've gone through. But to be able to go to a location that's really in a general location within Lima, a lot of times we recognize the people or you know of their families. I think it definitely helps ease some of the anxiety that people have built up when it comes to COVID. I mean, not only testing, you know, we're doing testing, but we're now have become a vaccine site. 
And that's a whole different spin. Now you're seeing people who are coming in Bradfield because they do trust the location and there is some comfort in both sides of this pandemic. That's great news to announce that you guys are becoming a vaccine site. I actually had three COVID tests done at Bradfield and I was just very grateful to your staff and, and the folks from health partners that were putting on the testing opportunity because it was very convenient, it was very quick and easy, and it was very safe. So I, I just wanted to thank you for that. Could you also tell us about how many people you've served, a little bit about their ages and demographics, and how many people have come through for tests? On the testing side of things, uh, we've served anyone from a two-month-old baby to a 90-year-old senior, you know, so it, it we definitely have seen all age groups. When it first started, I would say we started off doing maybe 10 to 15 tests a day, and then it got up to doing 50 to 60 tests a day. So it definitely, as we saw the increase in numbers, we definitely saw the increase in tests. And it was kind of scary, you know, to think that that many people in our community may have been affected by COVID. And then to actually have to watch a mom swab their two-year-old baby, just the impact that that would have had if that child did test positive, it definitely is something that makes you think and makes you second guess going any place. So I think in the thick of it all, if you were in the testing process or you're taking care of someone who did have COVID, it made you appreciate going home to a healthy household. And it definitely was an increase in numbers, an increase in testing, and definitely it had no age. COVID has no age. That's a great point to make. And I think your experience with seeing as young as two months old coming through to get tested all the way up to 90. That just is a testament to what you're saying around COVID having no age. And I think that's a point that the community needs to continue to hear as we, you know, sometimes hear that young people aren't getting this disease or that it's only for senior citizens that are getting this. So I think that's a great, that's a great point to have that personal experience really tells the community, I think, a great story. As we move into kind of a vaccine conversation with Bradfield being a vaccination site, how has that process been in terms of getting people registered and opening up your doors to become that vaccination site? What has been your experience around that? So with transitioning into vaccines, you know, is one of those things where I was surprised at the beginning, like that first week, a lot of our seniors that participate in our fitness classes, they're coming in and getting vaccinated. And it honestly brought joy to me because I'm like, and I made a comment to one of them. I said, hey, if y'all keep coming in, we may be able to get back to our senior lunches. And so it just showed two things, I think, that our seniors especially, they're ready to get out. You know, they're ready to go back to some type of normal life of living or the new normal they're tired of sitting in the house. So if they can take this one step to say, hey, I'm going to get this vaccine because that's going to protect me a little bit better than just not being vaccinated. And then, you know, we all have that trust because I'll be totally honest with you. When they first talked about the vaccine, I was like, I'm not getting it. I remember the stories my great uncle told me about this Tuskegee era. I remember sitting around their pool and hearing the stories. So I was adamant about not getting it at first. But when you start doing research and more of the reports come out, 
And then I go back to my Cleveland Clinic days, and I remember a research grant about with the verbiage in it. That's what started turning my mind, and it did become one of those things where, like, you know what? I not only want to protect my family, I want to protect my seniors that come in the building, and I want to protect our community. And that becomes my why. And I think everyone that has come in the building and the more people do start getting it and the more people are feeling comfortable coming in and seeing familiar faces, that always helps. But at the end of the day, I think everyone is just trying, thinking they can do their part to protect their families and hopefully get somewhat back to a normal way of living. Well, thanks for being a leader on that, Keisha. And just a reminder, we're here with Activate Your Health, and we're talking to Keisha Drake, the executive director of the Bradfield Community Association. As more people get vaccinated and as we inch closer to normal life, what are Bradfield's plans for post-COVID? Some of your programs I I know are back, but do you guys have any big plans for when you are able to have the senior lunches again and have programs back as they were before? We were doing our fitness classes, and we did have to scale back on that. But, you know, the more people are getting vaccinated, we will go back to our fitness classes. This month, we did kick off our after-school program with our My Brother's Keeper program. It's an after-school program, a mentoring program for fourth to eighth grade students. So we're gonna, you're going to slowly start seeing Bradfield get back to the things that they are normally doing. I know a lot of people have been calling because they still want to have those parties. They still want to have those baby showers. And, you know, as more of our community gets vaccinated, we'll see how we can open our building back up to things like that. But to be the support system that we were or are still, we'll get back to our food distributions. They'll look a little different because of COVID, but we know there's a need in the community. We'll definitely have kids in the building It'll be a little different. We'll keep up with the mask and sanitize it throughout the building. But we still know that there's there's needs in the community. The partnership with Health Partners is great. And you never know where that's going to go to make sure our community continues to stay healthy. Yeah, you know that many organizations will be facing, I think, those same questions that Bradfield is currently looking at. When can we reopen? How much can we do at what time? When can we actually have some more community things happening beyond just a few people here and there in the facility. So I think being diligent with that and what you're saying around that you want to continue with the masks and the sanitation and et cetera, those are just things that we are going to have to, I think, get used to for much of the time being here moving into the future. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to mean that we can't get together and we can't have programming because like you said, the community desperately needs these type of programs. And I was thinking about the mental health component as you were speaking, and I wanted to ask you, Have you seen the toll as far as the seniors go and even some of the kids that you serve? Have you seen some mental health needs arise or have you been part of some of those conversations around folks really needing to get out because they were feeling anxious and depressed, et cetera? I mean, what has been your experience around the mental health component of this disease? It's funny that you asked that because we just had this conversation yesterday. For a lot of our seniors, and one reason why we're like, we got to get back to classes, It's not even because they want to come out and be fit and they want to exercise. It's really because they need that social. And that socialization helps with their mental health. And that was one of the things that we really learned through this whole pandemic is how important just socializing keeps you mentally stable. Um, 
a lot of the conversations that we've had with our seniors is them being stuck in the house. And then they were used to just coming and working out together. And a lot of the ladies would go to lunch after class. We started incorporating a self-care day throughout the month where they'd come in and we'd cancel class for today. We gave them breakfast and they're painting. And, you know, Sally from the art space came and did a whole art thing with them. So it's just like that mental outlet to allow them to have that social. It's a really need in this community. And it's a need I've definitely seen um, within the community that we serve and the clients that come into Bradfield is they need that social outlet. And that's part of Bradfield's mission, just to meet that social and recreational needs within our community. And that's one of the biggest things that they're looking forward to. We'll start back our fitness classes March 1st. They're ready just to come hit a ball so they can not be in the house and release some of that anxiety that has been built up over the years. So that's definitely vital in this time is that um, mental health. There's some stability in getting outside the house. Thanks for all that you guys do and offer. I mean, that social isolation is definitely something that's affected so many people during this time. And so we're grateful to have Bradfield here in our community reaching out and, and doing the good work that you're doing. So Keisha, before we let you go, can you tell folks how they can find out about the program offerings and everything that's happening down at the Bradfield Community Association and how they can keep up to date with all uh, upcoming events? One of the key things is social media, of course. We try to keep our Facebook page up to date of what's going on. Once a month or third Monday of the month, I'm on the noon edition. That's another avenue that we try to keep the community knowing what's coming up for the next month. A lot of it, though, is just word of mouth. We definitely try to communicate everything that's going on through different agencies that we work with. And But social media would really be one of the key places that people can go to find out what's going on down at the Brad. Again, we are here with Activate Your Health. This is Activate Allen County's podcast, and we have just spoken uh, to Keisha Drake talking about some COVID issues and how Bradfield is continuing to help the community and move the community forward and being a testing and now vaccination site. So we really appreciate your time today, Keisha, and uh, we look forward to all the great things that Bradfield will continue to offer as we move into the future. Well, thank you guys for thinking of us to have a conversation with. Thank you so much. We've been hearing a lot of great information about COVID-19 and having some great discussions. I would like to just remind folks that Another important thing that we need to do is prevent illness, disease, viruses for yourself, for your family, for your community through eating well, by being active, by managing your stress. That all helps build optimal health. And the best thing that we can do to protect ourselves from infectious diseases is be the healthiest versions of ourselves that we can be. So I just really want to encourage people, yes, get vaccinated, get tested, social distance, wash your hands, wear a mask, but also eat better, get some exercise, take some time for some self-care and some mindfulness, and that will help you be healthy and combat any upcoming diseases that you might face. Yes, and with all of that as well, also make sure that you are using the most evidence-based, scientific, researched sources to get your information as we think about all the public places that we go for to get information, to get our questions asked, that we just need to be diligent personally, relying on the CDC and our local health department and local health professionals to really guide us in those decisions. You hear Activate say many times that we are not here to dictate 
to you or what you should or shouldn't be doing. That's not our job, but we do rely on evidence-based research, evidence-based programming, and we really do rely on those resources, those known and knowledgeable sources to gain information from. So we hope that you do the same and then make the choice that's best for you and your family moving forward. And I think that's really all that we can do. We can stay up to date the best we can, continue to have those conversations, continue to be proactive in our health. I mean, as Josh said, continue to do the day-to-day measures, you know, eating healthy, washing hands, taking time for yourself, managing stress, being active. As the sun's starting to come out here in the studio, we can really get ourselves in the most optimal health that we can to hopefully keep our bodies as healthy as we can for as long as we can. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, March brings the warmer weather, the sunshine that we all need to start feeling better and kick these winter blues. But if you are struggling, we once again remind you to call the crisis line at 1-800-567-4673 or text 741-741. All right. So you are here with Activate Your Health, uh, Kayla and Josh with Activate Allen County. We want to move into the part of our podcast now where we are talking about some upcoming events and ways for you to get involved with Activate Allen County. The first thing that we want to mention and discuss is our activated challenges. So as we've said in the past, these challenges are ways for you to get involved with Activate. They are programs that we run and offer throughout the community on many different levels. And currently we are accepting applications for our activated faith and our activated child care challenges. So as they are stated, the child care challenges for our child care institutions here in Allen County for you to get some dollars to make some improvements in terms of the health and wellness of the children that you are serving. You can apply online for that. And we also have our Activated Faith Challenge, which is open to any church, large or small, any faith-based organization as well, can join in on that challenge. Again, looking at how we can make healthier options available for the constituents in your church that you serve or the residents around your church that you are wishing to outreach to as well. So Josh and I would love to have a conversation with you around these challenges and how you can get involved. There's more information on our website, but you can also, again, just grab Josh or I or give our office a call at any time and we can get you plugged into these challenges as a way to get some great resources and some money to get you started. Yeah, and it's not every day that local organizations offer these type of programs. So please don't hesitate. Reach out to us and we'll get you in line for some help and some services. We also want to announce that on April 9th, from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., we'll be having our Kick Off Your Healthy Season, which is a spring distribution day in partnership with Paramount Advantage, SAFI, West Ohio Food Bank, Mercy Health, and many other partners. We'll be coming together Friday, April 9th from 3 to 6 at SAFI at 658 West Market Street. It's a drive through event, but we're going to have all kinds of great healthy items to get people moving, to get them a little more healthy. And that's going to be fun as well. We have Chomps coming down, the Cleveland Browns mascot, the Lima Bean will be there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And we just encourage families to come on through Drive by Safi once again on Friday, April 9th from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. or while supplies last because our last distribution event did go very well and we didn't make it to our finish line with materials. But that's a good thing. 
That's a great thing. That's a great thing. So yes, we are looking forward to seeing the community come out on April 9th. And we also are looking forward to the gardening season. As we think about March, we're getting close to being able to put some stuff in the ground if you are a gardener. Or if you'd like to learn how to garden, we have an opportunity for you called Teach Me to Grow. This is LACNIP's program that they are putting on this year. It is going to teach you the basics of gardening. There's going to be some hands-on training. So you're not just going to be sitting through classes, but you're actually going to be out at the Spring and Collette Community Garden site doing some hands-on learning demonstrations of how to create a garden. So very basic, very beginner, no experience is needed for you to join this program. So if you're looking at potentially joining a community garden, or if you just want to learn how to garden in your own backyard, you don't need much space to garden. All you need is really a pot. You don't need to have a full-scale garden in your backyard in order to consider yourself a gardener or to have a desire to try to grow some tomatoes or an herb or two. Those are just really great ways, especially for your kids, to teach them some basics of where your food comes from and how to create healthier diets. So we are having a sign-up meeting on Thursday, March 25th at 6 p.m. and that will take place at the LACNIP Resource Center, which is located at 1440 West Spring Street. So I really encourage you to think about the summer, the gardening season that's, a, that's upon us here. And if you have interest in, in getting some of those items and you can grow a salsa garden or a pizza garden or whatever it is that you want to grow, LACNIP is available to provide that assistance for you and wants to give you that training that you need. And another announcement that we have is Activate Island County is hiring a program coordinator for our South Jackson Community Garden. This uh, project coordinator would be responsible for planning and implementing summer and fall programming at the South Jackson Community Garden. So this means taking ownership of organizing projects throughout each stage of the development, which include developing and implementing program ideas and proposals, creating events, event advertisements, coordinating event logistics, and evaluating and reporting on events and outputs from the garden. It is a six-month position. Employment would start on April 1st and last until October 1st of this year. So we're encouraging, if you have a passion for the community, for gardening, for organizing and making Lima a better place, we encourage you to apply. The easiest way to apply is to go on to Activate Allen County's Facebook page. We have a link to the application and you can find out more about that job opportunity on our Facebook page. There are lots of things going on. So we really do encourage you to get involved with us by liking our Facebook page and also heading to our website. We have lots of information there. We have a newsletter that you can sign up to be involved with as well. And always you can email or call Josh or myself and we are happy to plug you in and answer any questions that you do have because we do have lots of things upcoming as the weather breaks and as more people are out and about, we hope that that trend continues. So please follow us on social media and continue to stay up to date on all things Activate. And we want to encourage you to join us next month as we're going to be talking about upcoming events, programs, initiatives, infrastructure changes for downtown Lima. So our full focus next month will be on all the great things happening in downtown Lima. We'll have some guests in to talk about some of the upcoming projects. If you've been to downtown Lima lately, you've seen all the great things that are happening. There's some construction projects. If you haven't been to downtown Lima in a minute, I promise you will be surprised and impressed at the uh, improvements that we've seen. We'll see you next month. We want to thank you for joining us today. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. Have a great one.